With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, Internet. Josh Norris here with the Roto World Football Podcast, Super Bowl edition, post-Senior Bowl edition, uh, heading into the off-season edition. As always, really appreciate you rating and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast. It really does help us out, helps us reach new audience members, which is necessary, you know, now that we aren't technically doing three podcasts a week for fantasy season and we're moving into draft discussion, free agency, all that type of stuff. And in fact, the second half of this episode is going to be draft discussion. I'll talk about with Evan Silva, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Marlon Mack, and wide receiver Mike Williams. That'd be fun. But first up is obviously the big game on Sunday. It's the Super Bowl. Evan Silva, it's the New England Patriots against the Atlanta Falcons. 58 over under with the Patriots in most places favored by three. Uh, Evan, what's up, man? How are you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing really well. That was a super long intro, so I'll get right to it. Evan, what do you think the key to the game is in order for the Falcons to win? I think that the Falcons need to get the ball to their running backs in the passing game. I think that the Patriots are going to make it very, very, very difficult for the Falcons to get the ball consistently to Julio Jones uh, in the short or downfield passing games. And I think that the biggest vulnerability on the Patriots' defense is going to be the pass coverage mm-hmm. of their linebackers, where their best coverage linebackers actually is Dante Hightower. Right. And he, he's been really banged up. He, and he only played half of the snaps in the AFC title game. Uh, and the, the Falcons' running backs are very, very good receivers. Both of them are. Um, and so I think that that is going to be – maybe the biggest key offensively for Atlanta. I I had the same thing written down, so I'm glad we agree. We didn't even talk about that beforehand. Um, A couple things here. Uh, You mentioned it. It's like, I'm not going to say that they have slow linebackers, the Patriots, but they certainly aren't as athletic as they were when, let's say, Jamie Collins was in the lineup, right? Right. Um, Obviously, they have, what, like Shea McClellan and Calvin Noy and Alandon Roberts, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, we have seen against a defense like the Broncos that, the Falcons can really utilize their running backs in a variety of ways, and both are big play threats. So I'm completely there with you. You mentioned Julio um, and how it might be difficult for him to find a lot of open space. How would you expect the Patriots to cover Julio? I think it's going to be a, a almost a sellout-to-stop situation. Okay. Um, I think that it is going that the the Patriots will kind of trust their their big dogs up front to win the battles in the trenches against the the Falcons offensive line, um, 
and I think we will see a lot of Eric Rowe with safety help and you know a linebacker over there to cut off those those slants and crossing routes where Julio was so dangerous in the NFC Championship game. I mean, I'm you know I, we we have two weeks to 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 for, you know forecast this and right. break this down, and then the and first series so, it could be debunked, and maybe right, and and maybe maybe I'm just completely buying in into this i'm buying into this narrative too much but uh the so like in 2012 there was a, a book written by michael holly called war room about yep. the legacy of bill belichick and in it it is you know it describes like how uh how belichick advised thomas dimitrov sort of a, you know recommended against trading up for julio jones and you hear that you hear about that mm-hmm. um, a, a little bit, you know, like uh, us as people who are, are very plugged into who love to hear war room know, stories, right? Right. Who who love to hear about things like this. But what you don't like, if you've actually read the passage, Belichick was very critical of Julio Jones' skill set, mm-hmm. um, and I remember, I mean, that was a very common way to view Julio at that time to, to, to say that he was he was a possession receiver, didn't play as fast as he timed, didn't catch the ball mm-hmm. uh, cleanly, you know, kind of fought the ball at times. Uh, Belichick loved Jonathan Baldwin. Yep. And I think that if if like if there's a scenario where Julio Jones blows up in this game and like is the Super Bowl MVP, you know, that story becomes a lot more popular. I, I like I, I like that, you're walking down Narrative Street, Evan. Here, I like it. I like it. I know. I know. I mean, it, it, and there there are also a lot of other reasons uh, to 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 think that the, the Patriots will um, go hard at, at trying to limit and maybe have success limiting Julio Jones, uh, which you can read about in my matchups column, which I will publish tonight. Um, but I, I'm I'm kind of buying into this narrative, and you know. That's maybe that's just a me thing, right. but I, I don't think that Belichick is going to let Julio hurt him. Yeah, and if we've heard about it, you know Julio's heard about it. And I mean, we remember that that was a draft class that the Falcons traded up a lot for. And he, yeah, like you said, he, he suggested staying pat and taking John Baldwin, and we know John Baldwin. Right. Um, yeah, and and Evan, your matchups column will be out by the time this is posted, so that's all good. Everyone can check that out. I do have one more question about this Patriots defense. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's been titled the number one scoring defense in the NFL this year. Uh, I think, so on paper, people believe it's like a really good defense. I know you've watched every single Patriots game this year. And like from a pure talent perspective, Evan, like it doesn't even come close to the teams, and we've talked about this before, that were in the Super Bowl last year with the Patri- with the Panthers and, and the Broncos. So like I'm not scared about this team stopping one of the best offenses really we've ever seen in the Falcons. Yeah, I mean – I think that it's a solid defense. Right. You know, it's certainly not like the 2016 Broncos um, or the 2015 or, or the 2016 Broncos for, for that matter. But I mean, they're, they're very good against the run. They have a lot of good players in their secondary. They, they just, they, they don't rush the passer. Exactly. Real well. And that's, that yeah. is extremely important, obviously. And they played a really crappy slate of quarterbacks, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they have. But I think that, they pass the eye test though. I mean, they, they tackle really well. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something that really stands out about them is how, how well they tackle. Um, and so I, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for them as a defense, even though their schedule in the second half of the year was really a cakewalk. 
And we've seen the Falcons offense go against some really top-tier defenses and, and play at a high level. Um, yep. Okay, let's flip it over to the other side, Evan. And I would argue, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you talked about the running backs for the Falcons. I would argue that the running backs for the Patriots might be their keys to success as well. Um, I agree. Uh, the, the, the Falcons' defense, we've talked about it a lot, how they are a young, fast defense, but kind of improved down the stretch as they get healthier. But in many ways, they are undersized, right? Um, you have Grady Jarrett, nose tackle, who you know I love. Um, Rashid Hagman played well down the stretch. I wouldn't call him undersized. But you have like guys like Deion Jones, Devontae Campbell, so on and so forth, right? Um, do you think that this Patriots offense, which, like the Falcons offense, the offensive line has stayed healthy, LeGarrette Blunt, Deion Lewis, 1-2 combination, could do a really good job against this Falcons front seven? I think that the Falcons are going to be are going to get in trouble if they fall behind in this game because I don't think that they will be able to stop the, the Patriots power rushing attack. There we go. What about any other parts of this Patriots offense? Like we, we've seen Chris Hogan emerge at points. Mm-hmm. Um, what about any other standouts for them other than just, you know, Tom Brady dishing it out all over the field? Yeah. Chris Hogan and LeGarrette Blount are kind of like sleepers for Super Bowl MVP. I mean, LeGarrette Blount, led the NFL in rushing touchdowns and maybe he's not like a super, super sleeper, but Chris Hogan's role has increased significantly in the playoffs. It wasn't just last game. It was the game before that, the tech against the Texans where he was dominating. He only played 50% of the snaps in that game because he got hurt left with a thigh injury. Uh, But he was dominating in that game and he's been targeted six times on targets of 20 plus yards downfield in two playoff games caught all six so that has become a big part of the Patriots passing offense Hmm. and the Falcons during the regular season allowed the 10th most uh, 20 plus yard pass plays in the NFL and through two playoff games have allowed eight completions of 20 plus yards uh, and I think that we will continue to see downfield targets to Chris Hogan. I think that they'll be tough for the Falcons to stop. I mean, the, the Falcons really do not have any clear strength on defense. They don't yeah. defend the run particularly well. Um, they have a lot of young players who are going to be really good in time. Uh, but I think that the Patriots go after those young players in this game. But I, I'll say this, unlike where, in my opinion, the Patriots don't have you know a primary pass rusher that can get after the quarterback – I think the Falcons do, and Vic Beasley, even though obviously Marcus Cannon and Nate Solder have had plenty of good points throughout the season. Yeah, I think that the, the Patriots can kind of negate that by, by running power at them, yep. Yep. too. I agree. Um, and what's interesting, and this is a complete tangent, but I think it's fascinating how the Patriots are one of the few teams that really go after restricted free agents, and we've seen it at receiver. Um, mm-hmm. Like a few years ago, they went after Emmanuel Sanders, and many thought they would get him, right, because of how they structured the contract, but that didn't work out. And then Chris Hogan was a restricted free agent as well, and the Bills just kind of let him go because they didn't match it. So um, I think that's kind of another avenue where Bill Belichick might take advantage of that other teams don't, um, even though we've seen it with others and other teams have kept him. Anyways, that was just a tangent I had in mind. Uh, Evan, here's another tangent. Um, did you know Valentine's Day is coming up? Uh Yeah. Um, do you know what I wish I had in third grade, Evan? What? I wish I had proflowers.com. Do you want to know why? Because what? in third grade, I had a girlfriend. Uh, her name, let's just call her Elizabeth, all right? 
So it was one of those like recess things where, you know, you go and like you stay in a circle and, you know, you don't hold hands or do anything. It's just like, you know, you're dating. You're, it's your girlfriend. So during Valentine's Day, I asked my mom. I told her I had this girlfriend because she I had my own phone number and phone cord, corded, I guess is the right way to put it, in my room. And I was like, Mom, can you buy like a stuffed animal and some flowers and drop it off at Elizabeth's front porch the day of Valentine's Day we were at school? Um, and that's super embarrassing, Evan. The same thing happened you know, in sixth grade, let's call her Catherine. I had a different girlfriend. Um, I would go through my mom's jewelry box <laughs> and pick out like the cheapest piece of jewelry I could find. And, and uh, that, that would be my gift to her for Valentine's Day, Catherine. Evan, do you know why I wish I had proflowers.com instead? Because, Evan, on top of their already low prices right now, you can get one dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase for just nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. If you upgrade for $9.99 more, you can get two dozen assorted roses with a free glass vase. Just go to proflowers.com and use my code ROTOWORLD. Help support our show by supporting our sponsors. And again, use that code ROTOWORLD. Evan, you don't have any embarrassing Valentine's Day stories. I just dished out two. I'm just impressed that you remember anything that occurred (laughs) in third grade. I... I don't remember anything. At all? Like, I play, like, Power Rangers at recess. We play kickball. I actually got kicked out of playing kickball because I kicked it so hard and it hit someone's face. I was real into, like, collecting sports cards. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Big nerd. Anyways, Evan, once again, that is proflowers.com. Here's the only (laughs) way to get one dozen Assorted roses with a free glass vase starting at just nineteen ninety nine. Just go to proflowers.com and use my code RotoWorld. Again, help support our podcast. Don't wait. Order today. Evan, let's transition over into NFL draft prospects. And there's nowhere to start other than Leonard Fournette, the running mm-hmm. back out of LSU. Um, let's just start with this. I'm very interested in what your first opinion was of Fournette when you watched him. All right, so I'm just going to take you through the whole process, all right? All right so I was um, – you know, the, the season had kind of ended. There's, there's like this little kind of awkward transition period between week 17 and like the playoffs. And to some extent, you're kind of like, I don't really know what to do right now. Like, you know, it's, it's Tuesday. I'm not – I don't have to write, you know, about <laughs> 16 like, games. What do I do with my hands type moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I knew I was going down to this uh, fantasy conference in Nashville and I would be hanging out with a bunch of dudes who are just absurdly passionate, bordering on nuts about football. And I figured that at some point, you know, like the the incoming class would come up of Mm -hmm. skill position prospects. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a couple of nights and I'm going to bang out like three games on each on on I, I got Brugler's list, Dane Brugler list of CBS Sports. That's an okay guy. I mean, there there are better yeah. there are better dudes out there, but Dane's okay. And I I, <laughs> I I went through like his top eight RBs and his top eight wide receivers, and I and I tried to watch as many as I could, three games on each. So I get to 
Well, first I watched Joe Mixon, who is just the complete goat. Okay, no, and then after that, that – we got to wait on him after we're talking about Fournette. I know. We, we will talk about him. But then I got to Leonard Fournette, and I, I picked out uh, Alabama 2016. I didn't watch anything from 2015. I just right. picked out – just randomly picked out – I, I got to watch him against Alabama. I knew, I knew he struggled, but I, I could forgive him for that. Um, That's putting it lightly. Right. Yeah, he got dominated. But anyways, what are the other two? Do you remember? Yes, uh, Arkansas 2016 right. and uh, Wisconsin 2016, which was the opener. Right. And apparently he was – I find I come to find out later yep. that he was hurt <laughs> in two of these games. But, I, I mean, like I, I take notes as I'm going through all these games. You know, like if, if something – if like a trait stands out. Right. Um, if, you know, if, if like the way he moves kind of reminds me of an NFL – a running back that's currently in the NFL and my notes on him are horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, they they were so bad. Okay. So, so, so that was the initial opinion, right? Then you find out that he was hurt and he was hurt like all season long, Evan. Like I think the injury even occurred before the season. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was an ankle. It was a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Um, So then I go and I, Go back to his 2015 games. Um, I think it's because did I have the all 22 of that? I think I did. Um, and yeah, I start. I just start posting all this stuff. If people want to go see that, it's on Twitter. I storified Leonard Fournette, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, um, and I'm hopefully going to get more. So there's like 28 clips out there. And and Evan, his 2015 season is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so I, so what about on second viewing? What 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 did you see? Even on, and, and even when, you know, I was watching him and I was so unimpressed with him because dude was hurt. Uh, it, it still popped up in my notes that he reminded me a lot of Demarco Murray as like mm-hmm. a big downhill runner with long speed. And so when I started to you know look at games where he was healthier or healthy. I mean, it, it, you know, it, 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 it kind of popped into my mind that this dude, I thought he's very similar to DeMarco Murray. He's not like, he's not necessarily like an elusive running back, although he can do some elusive things. You know, right. he's not like a laterally elusive running back, but he is huge. He's going to run. I would say that he's going to run like four, four, three, maybe. Okay. And, uh, and he he runs with a lot of force. I I still think that he, um, in, in some respects, like disappoints in terms of his power and his and his tackle breaking. Okay. Uh, but he, he's a big downhill runner with outstanding long speed, and um, you know I, I wish that there were more exposures of him in the passing game. Right. There just there aren't a lot, and at times I, I thought that he looked awkward, but he's absolutely a much better player than than i thought he was after watching him play hurt yeah then that three game sample show in 2016 um okay i have a few things to say one i think that he's uh gonna very much be a lightning rod in terms of topics throughout draft season um if he shouldn't be or if he should be whatever right I, i just think he is um two where I kind of am in this process, Evan, is I'm not sure if I can relate him to anyone else in the class right now because I'm, I'm kind of behind with all these draft prospects, and I'm just being perfectly honest. Um, so I'm mainly going to focus more on the individuals rather than who he relates to in this class. 
But what I loved about Fournette, and he's listed at 6'1", 236. Now, we'll find out in a month, you know, at the Combine, if he's that weight, if he's not, whatever. Um, and and I, even though I just said I'm not going to relate him to prospects, I will say that the conversation so far at the top of this draft, Evan, is that, like, Dalvin Cook is the big play running back and Leonard Fournette is the physical running back. I think that's not fair to either because I think Dalvin Cook off, offers strength and power and tackle-breaking ability and yards after contact. Um, maybe not as much as like some extreme examples, but he does offer that. And I think Fournette, Evan, offers a ton of big play upside. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I think oh, he's... Oh, absolutely. And, and his speed to take advantage of alleys that are there are, are outstanding. Now, one, I, I think part of the reason he struggled against Alabama, and people just keep bringing this up to me in my mentions, uh, and, and I think Eric Stoner, Bo Jackson, puts this perfectly. Like, LSU tries to out Alabama, Alabama, and it just never works. It never works. Um, and in fact, I watched that 2015 game against Alabama. There was nothing I could take from it. Not a single thing. Uh, a couple things. I, I agree with you that like for someone that is, uh, you know, uh, his highlights show him just running over tackles, tacklers or stiff arming them to the ground that he doesn't do that every single game. Right. Um, but I love I absolutely love how he picks up like an extra two to four yards on final contact. I mean, that's something we talked about with like Derrick Henry last year, a number of mm-hmm. these other running backs. And those hidden yards really, really add up. Like he's not going to break a tackle and create some space and then pick up those yards. It's mm-hmm. on that final contact. And it's, it's his balance that allows him to do that. And it's, it's a similar balance in how he finishes those runs to Jonathan Stewart. But I would say it's in a different way because I think, and, and agree with me if, if you want to or not, I, th- I think Stewart is kind of a wide base balance. Like you see him... Uh, with his wide base, finish off those runs. But I think Fournette's is very linear, which I think is very irregular and unique. Um, and I think he really is an irregular and unique type runner and yeah, type yeah, of talent. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that, absolutely. Do you, do you think I he's mean, a, a transcendent talent like people are claiming? I don't know. That, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep watching. Yeah. You know, my initial – uh, my initial take on him was so like I was so down on him, uh, so I, I still have work to do. But uh, I, I mean, the, it, it's one of those cases where like the more you watch, the more you like him. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big plays are definitely there, right? Um, and you mentioned the receiving game, and I'm not going to say he's a great receiver, but I actually th- I, I saw a number of really strong pass protection examples and exposures. So if he's not a great receiver, but he's good in pass pro then I think that kind of evens out um, because we know NFL teams prioritize that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I expect for us, you know, to talk about Fournette a lot moving forward, and it'll be certainly interesting to see. Because if he runs that fast, seven and like 236 pounds. People are going to go crazy. Yeah. Um, let's move over to Joe Mixon. Um, before we get into his talent, Evan, um, you know, this is a difficult conversation to have, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's certainly not an easy one. And – I mean, everyone knows that in 2014 he was suspended for the entire season after, you know, his guilty plea uh, after punching a woman, another student, and breaking bones in her face, right? And then the 2015 season happens, and then the 2016 season happens, and then, you know, right as the 2016 season is finishing in December, uh, the video comes out, right? And, And the video is absolutely horrific, right? And in some of these scenarios that involve a physical contact between a man and a woman. There is not video. Sometimes there is, right? We, we don't have to relate it to necessarily some in the league or 
whatever past history, but um, that is certainly going to impact if he's drafted at all or where he is drafted, right? And again, this is a difficult topic. Um, so Evan, I think in because of that, um, we should probably center it around his game at Oklahoma, right? Um, it just it just kind of stinks and is disappointing that we can't talk like every conversation about this guy. You're gonna have to you know the, somebody's gonna have to say something along the lines of what you just said, right? Because it's and, his fault, yeah, yeah. And, and, or you know, anytime somebody tweets about him, like they're gonna get a bunch of responses, you know, about how he hit this woman you know it, it it it's just a very unfortunate situation right uh, i i hope that he has learned from his mistake bob stoops gave him a second chance um and i, I hope he i hope he continues to make good on it uh what did you think uh, and again we are going to be positive here uh about his on the field play because it's difficult not to be right so what i just said absolutely applies but keep that in mind with when we're moving forward about our positive reactions to his game. So Evan, what is your reaction to his game? I thought he was absolutely incredible. Yeah, he's pretty uh, the, good. The best, football. the best running back that, that I, I have watched so, so far. And I've watched like seven or eight, um, you know, all, all near the top of, of Dane's list. Uh, the running back that I thought he reminded me of, and this is kind of sh- starting to show my age, uh, Ricky waters. Yep. Uh, big versatile running back i mean i think that joe mixon could be a starting wide receiver in the nfl which is which is is actually something that you could have said about david johnson absolutely in fact in fact you mentioned dane dane interviewed david johnson during his final senior season and asked david johnson if he would transition over to wide receiver i mean that's before we all knew how great of a running back he was well most people or how athletic he was blah 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 but I mean that their receiving ability is 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 somewhat similar, definitely. Yeah, um, and, and and his his running style, and I, I you know, it, I'm always very cautious to compare. I, I try to be cautious to to compare players to transcendent talents. You, you used that term earlier. Yep. Uh, but I think that his his running style, in, in some ways, is reminiscent of Le'Veon Bell in his prime right now. Um, where and and it's, he, diff- it's difficult to talk about Le'Veon because, and Evan, the patience word is going right. to be a, a buzzword throughout the entire offseason. Um, it seems like there's at least one every single offseason, and this year, because of how great Le'Veon was this year, um, it's going to be patience. So it might turn into something that everyone talks about um, with every running back. But I do think it applies here just because of how he's kind of a, a, a stop-start runner behind the backfield at times. And right. lets things develop in front of him. Um, and, and a lot of runners can't pull that off. But Joe Mixon does in many ways. And, and you mentioned it. Like, he's, he's a big back. And I don't think a lot of people realize yep. that. He's 6'1", 227. At least that's what he listed, is listed as. And, Evan, I know you, this applies to you. Uh, he doesn't turn 21 years old until July. So, yeah. So, did, did you were there any weaknesses in in his game that stood out to you? Um, you know, I I, I watched him and Fournette in almost back to back days. Um, like I don't think he picks up that extra two to four yards like we talked about yeah. with Fournette. Um, yeah, he does at times, right? But I yeah. wouldn't say he's as 
necessarily physical as a runner with that or like his balance makes him stay up on those times to, you know, fight for those extra yards. I just think he's a very different type of runner than Leonard Fournette. He's, he's yeah, like, they're they're totally different. I mean, yeah. Leonard Fournette, I think, is a a north south power back. Yep, and with speed. This guy is his his Joe Mixon's lateral elusiveness is absurd. Yeah, I mean, he, it, it's incredible. He, he, and, he's, and, he's a and, finesse and, elusive runner who like runs light on his feet, who can also break tackles at times. And he's so natural in the passing game. I mean, I saw him routinely make one handed catches on the run. Yeah. And, you know, he's he, he's so, so skilled. It's very unfortunate that every time that we got to talk about this guy, we're going to have to talk about a mistake that he made. Yep. You know, yep. And again, yeah, he did it to himself, obviously. And and yeah, I mean, he'll he'll be ranked for me absolutely in the top three running backs. No doubt about it. Um, and, and it's interesting because Oklahoma have has another running back in this class in Samaj P. Ryan, who they were both on the field at the same time a number of occasions. And Joe Mixon was a lead blocker in some of those scenarios, and then he was a receiver in some of those scenarios. So there's plenty of tape out there for evaluators to watch for in both of those cases. Yeah, um, Perrine can play a little bit too, yep. and he's a totally different RB from Joe, Mac- from Joe Mixon. Uh, let's go to another running back, Evan, which I was kind of interested to see you mention him to me as someone you want to talk about on this podcast, and that is Marlon Mack out of USF. I believe he was an early declaration, um, six-foot, 210 pounds, at least that's what he's listed as. Uh, Evan, what would you like about his game? Yeah, I haven't heard anybody talking about him. Well, it's because uh, there's so many running backs in this class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, like, every time that he was on the field, I thought that he kind of stood out as the best athlete. And I, you know, that that is always something that, that clicks in my mind. Like, you know, that was the case with, like, uh, Corey Coleman, uh, you know, Odell Beckham at times I, mm-hmm. I thought was like that. Uh, I mean, he he's a really, really good athlete. I think that he's going to destroy the combine. Um, I, saw, I saw him line up at wide receiver and run wide receiver routes at times. Uh, his, his receiving production, like if you just look at his bulk stats, that doesn't really reflect that. Uh, and I think that that was a product of their offense. Their quarterback was so bad. Uh, but he's going to get Heisman love next year, by the way, Quentin Flowers. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, again, I'm I'm clueless (laughs) about, I'm clueless about college football. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just joking with you because I mean, his stats are really good and he likes to run the ball and I'm not going to say he's Lamar Jackson. You actually know who, who was his quarterback coach last year, Evan, do you not? Uh, former NBC employee, NBC sports employee, Sean King. Oh, interesting. Yep. Good good for him, man. Yep. That, that's awesome. Um, Mar- uh, Marlon yeah. Mack, if, if you want to watch yeah. one game, I would say it's that UCF game because you absolutely see the highs of his game. I mean, there was there was this one that I blurbed, uh, not blurbed, but I tweeted out this play where he broke a ton of tackles, and that's not part of his game, right, uh, right. in my opinion. Like, he, he's very much a straight-line speed guy, and he does a good job with that. Um, and then there's another side where he is not a traditional type runner or a, a patient runner and just tries mm-hmm. to make things happen in the backfield and loses himself like seven or eight yards just because of how much he's dancing and, and trying to yeah. get the edge and all this kind of stuff. So you see the extremes of his game. I'll say this, though, Evan. Everyone's going to try, and again, this is on the field, um, everyone's going to try to find that Tyreek Hill type explosive playmaker, right? The guy that can get it in his hands and take it the distance in the third day. 
and I bet we see someone say that Marlon Mack can be that. I don't think he's nearly as flexible in many areas in terms of laterally as Tyreek Hill, but I think straight line, he poten- and I'm not going to say he's as fast as Tyreek Hill, but could potentially do the same thing for an offense in terms of his speed. He's also about four inches taller yeah. and about 40, 40 pounds uh, heavier. Yeah, one thing that I wrote in my notes was that he bounced a lot of runs um, but I also I wrote, also wrote that I thought he could maybe be used like Tevin Coleman. Yep. Um, he, but he, but I thought that he was better laterally. Like uh, Tevin Coleman was very very straight line, um, and Marlon Mack uh, is is a guy who he can absolutely make you miss. I don't know. He'll be a very inter- I'll be interested to like read you know Matt Waldman's opinions on him and yeah. see how he tests out at the combine and just kind of get a feel for uh, how, how other people view him, you know, kind of get some, some wisdom of the crowds because to me, he was a very intriguing player. I'm not really sure what, you know, what to make of him, but I think he's, I think he's going to blow up the combine. Yeah. And, and the combine is absolutely important for both of us um, in this draft process when comparing athleticism or even quantifying athleticism. And, and I used to be kind of against the combine right when I started this and I couldn't be further from the truth. Like I, I think it's awesome now and, and is very meaningful when looking back and comparing a player to previous ones. Um, all right, Evan, let's finish up with a wide receiver, uh, Mike Williams out of Clemson. Everyone watched him in the championship game against Alabama. Um, he missed the 2015 season after really the first series breaking a bone in his neck uh, after catching a touchdown against Wofford in the opening game. Um, but he was great in 2014, and he was really good in 2016. Uh, what do you like about his game, and do you have any hesitations about his game? Yeah, I do have hesitations about his game. Uh, although I think that, you know, if these guys these guys usually have like a, a, a range of outcomes, and I think that at the high end of his range of outcomes will be a player like Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's really big. He plays really strong. He has strong hands. Uh, he caught so many back so many passes on back shoulder yep. catches. Um, he, I mean, you rarely saw him get separation. I mean, I don't even know if I ever saw him get, get separation. Interesting. Honestly, he, he, he would, he would win with his body. Uh, and he was very physical as a blocker. Um, yeah, they, they run that, a lot of screens out there and ask him to do that quite a bit. Yeah. And he, he w- was constantly facing a lot of coverage. I mean, you could tell that the defenses were, were, were very concerned about him. So he, he wound up playing in a lot of traffic with a lot of guys around him. And for the most part, I mean, he, he won in, in those situations. But he mostly won on slants, screens, comebacks, back shoulders, yeah. you know, jump balls downfield. Uh, I mean, do you, do you disagree? Uh, a, a little bit in, in parts, okay. and, and, and I'll tell you why. So first, just – Again, where he wins, he's 6'3", 205. At least that's how he's listed. We'll, again, see what he measures in the combine. So he's a big who wins big, which is important because we've seen bigs who don't win big. Uh, Devin Funches is an example, right? Um, for and, and, and so in my opinion, people are saying that Mike Williams is, like, fine after the catch. I've even said some think he's good after the catch. I don't think he's good after the bad. catch at all. He's, I, he's bad after the catch. I, I'm, and I'm not going to say he's, like, terrible after the catch. Like, he's not Kelvin Benjamin bad, right? Uh, 
he, he might be able to pick up a few yards and make one person miss, but he's definitely not going to take one and make you pay after the catch. That's not it at all. And they gave him he, opportunity. He, he would be like he, he's like Alshon and Mike Evans after the catch. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that that that's fair. Um, I do think that on inside breaking routes, you talked about slants and other inside breaking routes um, in the intermediate areas. I do think that he he created some separation um, enough for him to win because, in my opinion, Evan. If he wins the positional advantage, it's over. If the par- yep. if the if the pass is on target, um, on on deep passes on vertical targets, which he had a number of, uh, he did not create separation. Right, but we know that that's only a part of being a vertical wide receiver. Uh, going up and getting it in those contested situations, which you talked about, he is amazing at. Um, the game kind of slows down for him in those areas. Uh, yeah, be- because it's a good way of putting it. Be- be- because you see a number that are tip passes or some that are behind him or somebody has to juggle because the defender gets a hand on it, whatever. And you can see him lock onto it with his eyes and try to corral them in, try to bring them in, whereas many other guys just panic and it falls to the ground, right? Um, And he even put himself in position to win some passes and some balls that you rarely see. So, like, even some of his incompletions were impressive, if that makes sense. Um I like Mike Evans quite a bit, but I mean, there's going to be this whole discussion whenever you go on radio or do any big time podcast. Like, is he a quote unquote wide receiver one? Right? Should the Titans spend a first round pick on him? Should the Eagles do it where they are at? So on and so forth. Um, I mean, do you have an answer to that question, Evan? Do you think he can be a primary focus of a passing game? I think that's a really good question. And, you know, usually when, when we first talk about these players, we're not talking about the players on a podcast, you know, and you, you and I can kind of like sh- shoot the right. Yeah. About them. That, that's a good you note. Know, Evan I, and I have not discussed I, these guys at all beforehand, which I, yeah, think is, I haven't, is good. I haven't really just dis- I haven't really discussed the, the players at all with with almost anyone except for the people in Nashville that right. I, I told that I thought that Leonard Fournette sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you text them all back after you watched those 2015 games? You're like, uh, I rescind that comment. Yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Evan, we should make this kind of a regular thing where even if we talk about NFL news, blah, 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 um, talk about a handful of prospects each and every week, especially if we don't talk about them beforehand because um, sticking to the skill players I think is, is an important part, and especially in this year's class, especially at the running back position and tight end. So let's keep doing it, man. I agree. Um, Evan, thanks so much. Everyone can check out, once again, his matchups column uh, for the Super Bowl, which is obviously on Sunday. Uh, and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us out. And again, we're transitioning over into off-season draft stuff. I'll probably be back next week with Ray Summerlin uh, early in the week uh, because I'll be posting a mock draft and maybe we'll do an episode on that. Hopefully I can get Evan on the line as well. Uh, And until then, talk to you soon. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.